Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott, and today I am running solo. Today, um, we are going to be diving into the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, this has been an ongoing study for me in my uh, private devotions. Um, it's been going on for the last two years now, and I just have found this book fascinating. Um, Charles Spurgeon said when he he preaches through the Ecclesiastes, um, he uh, he says he tries to mine out every grain of gold and diamonds that is found in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, but he preaches it in big sections because Ecclesiastes is really just a large sermon um, in 12 chapters. We didn't put chapters to it until later on. Um, it's really just a large sermon. Um, so if, you are in, if you've ever read Ecclesiastes um, or if you have not, I highly encourage you to dive into it and really get in involved in Ecclesiastes and the books of wisdom. Um, they're definitely very profitable to your spiritual walk. So um, if you care to join me, we're going to be diving into Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read chapter 1, and then we'll go from there, and we'll see where we leave off. All right, so here we go. <clears throat> the book of Ecclesiastes. The futility of all endeavor. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets and hastens to its place it rises there again. Blowing toward the south, then turning to the north, the wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one might say, See, this, it is anew. 
Already it has existed for ages, which were before us. There is no remembrance of earlier things, and also of the latter things, which will occur there will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. Verse 12, the futility of wisdom. I, the preacher, have been king over Jerusalem, and I set my mind to seek and explore the wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven. It is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I set my mind to know wisdom, and to know madness and folly. I realize that this also is striving after wind. Because in much wisdom there is much grief, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. Chapter 1 complete. So, my study in Ecclesiastes has been a journey of the mind hours, I'm left thinking to myself, how much time have I wasted on futile things? The preacher has taught me how to accept death in order to understand what truly is important and how to live. The preacher in Ecclesiastes is the teaching versus what is in the presence of imminent death, awaiting one's future at the moment, can radically enable us to enjoy life. By relativizing all that we do in our days under the sun, death can change us from people who want to control life for gain into people who find deep joy in receiving life as a gift. Life in God's world is a gift, not something one can gain. The gift of God does not make this meaningless go away. The gift of God makes us vanity enjoyable now what what is the preacher here stating right from the beginning in verse 1 we have this the words of the preacher the son of David king of Jerusalem okay so we already have in the opening statement the words of the preacher the son of David who was the son of David? Well, there were many sons. But one specific son, Solomon. Solomon, the son of David, who inherited the throne, right? So we come to the word, the preacher, which is the Hebrew word for koleth, right? The preacher here in Ecclesiastes has once... Uh, has come to an understanding of life itself. He seems to have been the more thinking type, right? The ponderer, the daydreamer, the one who, who thinks of every 
detail in life before he takes action. This is a wise man, right? Um, so as we get to this, the way, the way that this has really affected me right away was throughout Ecclesiastes, it, it put me in awe of how much people ask similar questions, you know, what, what's the meaning of life? What is death? What is what is life without God? Which is really the argument that the author of Ecclesiastes is really getting at. Life without God. And and we have to come to the understanding of what is life without God? As believers, we remember our life without God. Useless. Meaningless. It was utter nonsense, really, to be to be blunt. I remember uh, I was uh, in the military after high school, and you know I enlisted, and I I was I was a really rebellious child throughout my youth, and um, I met a I met a guy. His name was Howard, who changed my perspective completely. I was no more no longer rebellious to the word of God. The way he taught it penetrated my heart. God used him as a miraculous gift. And unfortunately, I don't get to share these days with Howard anymore. But when I was 26, I was diagnosed with a, a severe heart disease. And um, the doctors gave me uh, a time period and told me, you're only going to live till, luckily, Thanksgiving, if you do not have the surgery. And me and my wife, we were under dire circumstances financially, you know, uh, we just had an, an, a second child, she was going to be off work. And unfortunately I was the only income at the time. So, um, it became very difficult, you know, facing a dire need to provide for my family yet. Do I want to live is the real question. And Ecclesiastes has changed my perspective on life completely. And I believe Ecclesiastes will change your life as well. Um, the more you dive into it. And the book of Proverbs really goes hand in hand with this, this book. So let's move on. So we have quoleth, the Hebrew word for the preacher or the teacher. Um, and, and the preacher here is really pondering the greatest mysteries of life as we dive deeper into um, Ecclesiastes. And he goes, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And I'm, heard, I'm sure many of you have heard this. Light, it, it's, it's, it's 
but smoke or a breath or um, vanity is utter meaningless or um, worthless. Vanity holds many different meanings in many different contexts. But here, the preacher, Solomon, is saying, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? This is written with the intent showing uh, that showing men who live without God. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. Your life is meaningless. This should hit us like a spear. Your life is meaningless without the Creator. Apart from God, man gains nothing in what he does day in and day out until death. Just think about it. You live for a short period of time. It could be a hundred years. It could be 70 years. It could be 50 years. It could be 10 years. Or it could be months. Without God, your life would be meaningless. I mean, think about it. What waits for a man who is apart from God on the other side? Nothing. Endless torment. I mean, I can't speak for men and women who are on the other side now, but I mean... I mean, let's get serious. Let's let's really think about this. What is it that waits for man or woman on the other side if they live their life glorifying themselves and never never acknowledged God? Compared to a believer who was transformed in the middle of his life or her life and spent the rest of their days glorifying God, living for Him, the promise is written. The promise is there. The promise was nailed through the flesh of of Christ through his palms and his feet. The promise bled upon that cross. The promise was when Christ drank that cup and yet when we meet him is when he will finally drink that cup of the last supper that he gave to his disciples. That is when he will drink the Last Supper again with us. So, 
such a bold statement for a preacher. What could this possibly mean here? Is everything in life completely meaningless? Does this life truly matter at all? When we come to a text such as this, at first glance, one could assume this is what the preacher is speaking of, that life is utterly meaningless. And this is true, but we are missing the true understanding for this type of vanity of life the preacher here is speaking of. As we stated, we talked about, the preacher is speaking of the life without God, and it is utterly of no value, meaningless, futile, completely an utter void. What does it profit a man to work daily to achieve wealth and titles and to be to be revered by his fellow peers, to one day taste death's poison and stand before the gates of eternity only. I wrote all this. This is all in my journal. To find out his very soul is not permitted to enter the king's kingdom. His entire life he rejected the knowledge and wisdom his creator and king. Throughout life, he continually fed his own appetite filled with his lustful desires, ignoring giving thanks to God who created him and continually blessed his life daily so that he could bless others. But greed and pride corrupted the very soul of this man, which in turn damned him for all eternity. Is this what awaits each and every one of us who wake up every single morning to go to work and put in 8 to 12 hours a day, come home, cook dinner, do chores, take care of the kids, then go to bed, just to do it all over and over again? For what? To show up at eternity gates and find out that we should have lived to please the creator of the heavens and earth instead of living to please ourselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. The repetitive mundaneness of this world is but a vapor. What you do during this time you're to give your best time to God. Now, am I saying that everything that you do in life, taking care of kids, going to work, is completely and utter meaningless? Absolutely not. That's not what the preacher here is saying either. But if you live your life and you do these things without God, then yes, it is utterly meaningless. Not only are you condemning yourself, but you are condemning those kids too those co-workers that you are not preaching the gospel to. And I've lived this very lie myself. Many of us are convinced that we are in control of our own destinies. As we dive into verse 3, let's dive into verse 3. Now we're going to be diving into these. Everything has been set into a continuous order, never to change until God decrees it. Now, as you look at these, you're going to look at some elements, okay? You're going to look at elements of creation. You're going to look at elements of 
what man goes through on a daily basis, uh, what man desires, what man sees, what man hears. Um, you're going to see the sun, the, the wind, the rivers, yada, yada. I mean, we're going to dive into this, and we're going to really get into this. I, I, I really enjoy this section of Ecclesiastes because we take this, this part for granted. <clears throat> we take this part for granted because men and women think that they have full control. But utterly, they have none. Can you stop the sun from rising? Can you stop the moon from rising? Can you stop the wind from moving? Do you tell the wind where to go? Do you fill the seas with the rivers? And no. No, you cannot. So as we dive into this, so verse 3. What advantage does man in all his work which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Pause. So we're going to stop. A generation goes and a generation comes. But we're going to backtrack. Let's go back to verse 3 where... Uh, Another phrase here in Ecclesiastes is going to be used frequently, okay? So you're going to see um, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You're going to see that a lot throughout Ecclesiastes. Also, you are going to see um, under the sun, which is what is done here on earth every day, under the sun. Okay, um, that phrase is used a whole lot. Um, in chapter 1, it's used one, two, three, three times, and then the phrase is changed, which is changed twice throughout Ecclesiastes, um, in verse 13, where it is under heaven, instead of under the sun, now we are looking under heaven, okay, and it is used and chapter 1 and chapter 2. Um, another phrase you're also going to see in chapter 1 throughout Ecclesiastes. You're going to see striving after wind. You're going to hear wisdom. You're going to hear knowledge pop up. You're going to hear, I set my mind. I set my mind um, throughout Ecclesiastes. You're going to hear about the heart, my heart, for my heart. Um Throughout Ecclesiastes. So these are these are phrases that you're going to start picking up on as you're reading through here. And you're going to start seeing repetitiveness throughout this. And it's good to pick up on this. Those words really pull out, really jump out at you. Um, really look at those. Because those are, those are great word studies. So get into them. Alright. Verse 3. What advantage does man have in all his work which he has done which he does under the sun. We have talked about this. What advantage does he have? A rich man. I mean, really. What does a rich man have other than he can spend a lot of money? Can money buy happiness? I'm sure. I've seen a lot of happy men driving boats or <laughs> or Ferraris. But anyways, no. That money cannot buy your happiness. When you die, where does that go? I mean, it's only passed down to the next generation. 
all those things that you work so hard to attain here in this life is now passed down to the next generation who could lose it in an instant. So really, what all did you really work for? A poor man. He works day in and day out. He is really gaining no advantage over the rich man. They both meet the same end. Death has no discrimination. Death does not care whether you are rich or poor. Death doesn't care whether you are black or white. Death doesn't care whether you are man or woman, adult or child, elder. It has no discrimination. Death awaits each and every one of us. So ask yourself, what advantage does all your work really attain you for eternity? Now we get into verse 4. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Now I found this very interesting. So a generation goes and a generation comes. This is an endless cycle. An endless cycle. How many of you can remember your great, great ancestors' names and what they did? You probably can't. A generation only remembers the prior generation to it. We hear stories of previous generations. But think of this. Think of this. Unless their name was never brought to be popular in society in that time, and traveled through generations of that society. You have been forgotten. No one will remember Scott Woodruff 150 years from now. No one will remember Scott Woodruff 200 years from now. No one will remember Scott Woodruff 500 years from now. A generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth will remain forever. It's a continuous cycle. So what you do in your life is very vital. One of my favorite quotes is from one of the Puritans, and I... I have it on my Bibles and stuff like that from when I had them rebound. And it's, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. That's, that's what you want people to remember. Not your name. They want to know, they want to remember, I was preached the gospel by a man or by this woman And it changed my life forever. 
eternity waits for me. As I do my daily, like, so I've been working, getting back into working out and running. As I run, I like to run into the graveyard here in West Liberty. And uh, I really enjoy it. Um, it's quiet. I don't have to look for oncoming traffic, which is which is nice. And there's tons of hills. Uh, I mean, it's a beautiful graveyard. But it's super steep hills and everywhere. And it's probably about a mile and mile to two miles long, depending on the routes you take. Um, but as I'm running through there, and I look upon these gravestones, I see generations, generations of men and women. Do I know? their spiritual well-being do I know where they're they're going absolutely not I don't I don't have any clue but God does and I'm sure there are hundreds if not thousands in there that are screaming at the top of their lungs to hear the gospel preached to them just to hear it you only have a short life. It's what you do with it. Now, a lot of you probably thought this Ecclesiastes was going to be really upbeat. and But no, I, I, I plan to make this series. It's serious. And I want you to really dive into Ecclesiastes. I want you to ponder Ecclesiastes. I want you to chew what the author is really trying to hit the mark on. I think it's important. I want to bring up a couple of verses. Matthew 6:34 says this, so do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew 6:27. And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Your time is important here. It's important in how you choose to use it. Matthew six nineteen through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, treasures on earth, plural, sorry, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <sighs> Amen. I wish I knew this years ago. And I'm sure a lot of you can say the same. I want to go through this. So, what, what advantage does man's work under the sun gain him for a life of eternity apart from God? Ask yourself this. My answer I came up with was nothing. Man gains nothing through all his work and sacrifice he or she has done in their lifetime apart from God. All that we do daily apart from God is utterly meaningless. 
And as the preacher, he states, All that you've worked have done under the sun. The author here is emphasizing that the things that happen daily under the sun are of temporary significance and therefore set against eternity. They have no real value. The phrase under the sun means here on earth. It speaks of the temporal nature of humanity. The author is trying to show his audience or reader that they need to understand the mundane and monotonous aspects of everyday life. He begins with listing out things in which have a continuous cycle that never changes. The sun, the wind, the river, the seas, generation to generation, the eye and the ear. Life is elusive. Life is like a candle. This is, this is an illustration I really like to use here. Life is like a candle in so many ways. Let us try to visualize this simple but true illustration. The candle is just an ordinary clump of wax. It cannot form itself, nor light its own light. The light in which is given to it is life. Without a creator or outside force beyond its simple realm of nature, each candle is a unique in every way. Some may look the same in many physical traits, but others can hold different traits and shapes. Some may receive a chance to be lit as in life. Some may be, restore, be stored away for later occasions. Some may hold greater purposes in lifetime, while others may have fallen too soon and broke, and others may have been a short wick. But let's take a look at the candle that receives a light and gives birth to its flame. Each flame holds the same imminent end. Time is happening. Time is hanging in the balance. At every flicker of the wind, we are born the spark or the initial light. We live our flame of life. We die. Our flame goes out. What happens when you blow a candle out? How long does the puff of smoke last? You can still smell it and see it. It's very real, but it also is transient, transient and temporary and vanishes quickly. It comes and goes without a permanent impact or lasting impression on the world. But the smoke in front of your eyes is not just transient. It is also elusive. Try to grab the smoke. Put it in your pocket and keep it for later. You can't get your hands on it. It is very real, physical, a physical thing, and yet it dodges your fingers as soon as they grasp for it. Your very attempt to take hold of it speeds its disappearance. Ecclesiastes is a meditation on how life seems to elude our grasp in terms of lasting significance. If we try to gain control of the world or our lives by what we can understand and by what we can do, we find that the control we seek eludes us. 
How much control do you really have over whether your job is secure or your health you will be? Or what will happen to the interest rates or the house prices? Life is elusive because you don't know. A generation comes, but a generation goes. But the earth remains forever. Also the sun rises and the sun sets. And hastening to its place, it rises there again. Moving forward in my study of Ecclesiastes, I notice here in Ecclesiastes 4-11 through 11 of chapter 1, the author begins to present things in which have a continuous cycle without ever ceasing. Things in which are out of the finite human control. Matthew 16, 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew, Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You can also look back at Matthew 6, 19-24, and also John. Actually, let's go to John 6, 27. Let's, let's check out John. Um, I'll read in the ESV here. I've been reading out of the NASB if you guys haven't caught on. Um, I also, I, I dive back and forth between different translations. So John 6, 27. All right, John six twenty seven. we have right here. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them and said, "This is the work of God that you believe in Him who has sent, who He has sent." So they said to him, "Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe in you? What work do you per perform?" Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, "He gave them bread from heaven to eat." Jesus then said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you." It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And Jesus follows up in verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe me. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me will never cast out. I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, and I should not lose, I, I, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him 
should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Sorry, ESV, I have trouble reading that one. I don't know why. Let's also look at the longitudinal themes here in Ecclesiastes. One can trace the biblical theological theme of toiling for nothing from the fall into sin when meaningful work becomes toil and a lifetime of toil ends in human beings returning to the dust of the earth, Genesis 3, 17 through 18. No gain. The theme of the toil ending in death runs through the Old Testament from generation to generation, such as the repeated and he died, Genesis 5, um, as you get into the generations of Genesis 5. And seemingly, on into the New Testament, saints and sinners die, and the people long ago are not remembered, Ecclesiastes 1.11. Jesus proclaims, however, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. John 11.25-26 James 4.14 says this, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Here in chapter 1, we see that the heart of our human condition is an unwillingness to accept the things as they really are. We long for lives of permanence in a world of constant change, and we strive to achieve it. We long for change in a world of permanent repetition, and we dream of how to interrupt it. The language used throughout Ecclesiastes evokes to bring or recall the conscious mind, the Garden of Eden, as if the preacher were dying to recreate God's good and perfect world, but it cannot be done, right, as we jump into chapter 2, uh, but we haven't got there yet, as we get into, like, his, we'll just be patient, we're getting there. The world in which we live is now fallen and cursed. God has placed a fracture in the fra- he, has, he has placed the, a fracture in the fabric of the universe, and things are now not what they should be. We are limited because we are creatures, and because we are fallen creatures, we now have inbuilt an inbuilt flawed assumptions about what it means to live in the world. We tend to use the world around us, work, possessions, people, as leverage for our own purposes to achieve our own goals. They are the tools we use to master life for our own ends. But the preacher's whole point in this section is to show us that the world cannot be leveraged to suit me and my life And life is meant to be enjoyed, not mastered. If you take anything from this, this part, please, just remember this. I'm going to go back. We're going to read a little thing I wrote. Life in God's world is a gift, not something one can gain. The gift of God does not make this meaninglessness go away. The gift of God makes this vanity enjoyable. 
All right, everybody. Hey, uh, this is Ecclesiastes with Scott. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Sorry, I went a little long-winded this time. I hope you don't mind 45 minutes. I apologize, but I, I just I love this book. I love diving into it. Um, if you got anything out of what I, if you heard anything that you disagree with, shoot me an email. I'd love to talk to you. You can email me at guyswbibles at gmail.com or you can email me on my personal email. It's Scott Woodruff, S-C-O-T-T-W-O-D-R-U-F-F, 29 at gmail.com. I'd be glad to talk to you anytime. And I'd even give you my number if you need prayer. Um, if you want to talk, um, I'm more than willing to talk with any of you. And I love y'all, and I, I pray that you're engaged with me in this series. And, um, yeah, I just I look forward to hearing from you all, and I hope this, this does an impact in your spiritual walk and gives you a different outlook on Ecclesiastes. Um, some book ideas for you to grab is um, Ecclesiastes. It's a 12-week study. It's by uh, Dane C. Ortland, and the theological editor was J.I. Packard. Um, I'm sure a lot of you know who he is. Um, the NIC OT, the book of Ecclesiastes by Longman, really great. It's, uh, the new international commentary on the Old Testament. If you want to grab a hold of that. Also, these are books I've read on Ecclesiastes. So if you're interested, you can look up the, um, expositions, Christ-centered expositions. It's Ecclesiastes. It's it's um, the authors are Daniel Akin and Jonathan Akin. Uh, series editors were David Platt, Daniel Akin, and Tony Marita. Also, another book. It's uh, by Benjamin Shaw. It's Ecclesiastes: Life in a Fallen World. Really good book. Really enjoyed it. A few others: uh, Zach Eastwine, Recovering Eden. Great. It's a got it's a gospel-centered um book on Ecclesiastes. It was this book was phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's one of my these three I'm about to give you by David Gibson, Living Life Backwards. Um How Ecclesiastes teaches us to live in light of the end. Phenomenal book. I mean 10 out of 10. These these three I've been giving you right here are 10 out of 10 for sure. Um, this one's by William D. Barrick, Ecclesiastes, the Philippians of the Old Testament. Great book. Sidney Granatus, uh, Preaching Christ from Ecclesiastes, Foundation for the Expository Sermons. Phenomenal. I mean, 10 out of 10. The others, I mean, they're pretty decent. But those, those books have just been an enormous help and a lot of, lot of time and I mean, I tore these books up so bad that they're like falling, the pages are falling out of them. So, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I look forward to talking to you guys next time. We're going to be diving into verse 5 of chapter 1. So join with me. I really look forward to talking with you guys, and I hope you enjoy this series. So y'all have a great night, and I look forward to talking to you guys again. All right, this is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. And I look forward to talking to you next time. God bless. Love y'all.